What's up, Cardboard Nation? Welcome to the last episode of 2016, our 34th episode in our inaugural year. And it is the season-ending show. All right, we all ready to dive into our first year-end segment? Oh, I like it. All right. Uh, If you've had your thumb on the pulse of the hobby, as we have throughout this year, you will have noticed several big stories. These were some of the ones that came to mind that were headline-worthy, in my opinion. Uh, We had (laughs) several. How about digital growth exceeds all expectation? On-demand printing changes game. Transcendent. Retail and online-only flourishes. An NFL exclusive. Vintage cardboard soars. And, of course, Cubs win. Uh, Holy cow. Taking a look first. Uh, on-demand printing changes game. Uh, all three manufacturers in particular got into the print-on-demand uh, game. Panini Instant, Leaf Live, Tops Now. Uh, Upper Deck waiting to see if, if they'll follow suit. But for now, uh, all three companies have definitely found success with this on-demand print technology and when i say it's changed the game it really has if you see what some of the realized prices have gone for for complete sets of tops now from this past baseball season i only wish that my tops factory sets were worth 10 percent, no two percent <laughs> of what those have gone for several thousand dollars so pretty interesting and it'll be uh It'll be interesting to watch, you know, where it goes from here because this is really just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, no, that's going to be very intriguing to watch and see what happens with this. Um, I'm actually surprised that there's uh, one company that's not on there because they sort of towed the line between the digital cards and the on-demand printing. Um, And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I think that that's interesting, though, to see what they do to add on-demand printing to their digital card um, oeuvre. Yep, absolutely. Which is, of course, upper deck. Uh, Next story I thought was of particular interest was retail and online only. Uh, There came a time where, uh, you know, whether... A manufacturer went direct to consumers or heavily relied on distributors, which has been the norm for seemingly dozens of years. Now we're in an age where uh, Tops and Panini in particular have released several retail-only or online-only products. Tops in particular has really taken this to a whole new level, and Panini just today announced another Uh, of their football products that's going straight into retail stores with crown royal you won't find it at hobby much like uh 2016 rookies and stars is only going to be available at retail uh i can tell you that um at some point some of these products may be available to purchase at a hobby shop depending on how they fare in the market and how a distributor might pick up some extra inventory Uh, but for now i think you can expect to see um, more of these types of things, and particularly you can tell that for tops, it is an aggressive part of their business portfolio at this point, whether it's the throwback Thursday sets, the, uh, uh, star Wars, what do they call the star Wars Monday thing? 
um, Star Wars Monday. Is, it, I haven't even seen that one. I totally missed that one. Okay, and I'm in uh, the dark. I mean the Rocky set. And once you know it, I knew I should have waited on the Rocky set because it went on sale during their holiday sale. <laughs> um, so you won't get me again, but you know what? You got me the first time, so good for you. So well, you know what will happen, though, Rob? The next time when they don't get you, that'll be the one that's so popular. That <laughs> to sell out. Exactly. And then you have to pay even more for it. So, so I mean, maybe you're better at timing than I am. I say, uh, you know, count your blessings that it wasn't the opposite, that you did get it. The other one that I bought of theirs that was online only, and I, I'm pretty sure, you know, sometimes everything blends together in, in this hobby. Uh the Warriors set. I can't remember if that was last year or earlier this year, but they did this nice five by seven oversized set from the Warriors movie. Mm-hmm. I think that was actually last year, but I picked that up too. So uh, next, now let me just yeah. ask you though: you do say retail flourishes, retail only flourishes. Is that because of the amount of product you're seeing going there, or is that actually like that's the I, truth? I, retail is flourishing. Well, if because in my opinion and i mean i'm not privy to you know the accounting the bookkeeping but the fact that these products continue to come out and as retail only exclusives i mean most recently with wwe divas revolution um i can only speculate that you know we're going to see more of this or they would have stopped. You know what I mean? So um, I, I expect this trend to continue a little bit more in 2017 and uh, we'll just have to pay attention to it. All right. Next up, uh, as far as a top story from 2016 and Ivan kind of alluded to it, uh, digital growth exceeds all expectations. I've read from a couple of different sources and on social media and uh, trade publications, quotes from uh, people at the manufacturers. Uh, obviously, digital has exploded for all of the companies. Uh, EPAC has proven very successful and is rolling out to more and more products for Upper Deck. Uh, Tops and their apps, uh, I mean, they've got one in just about every sport now, you know. Uh Bunt, skate, uh, they've got one for soccer, uh, ta- uh, football, UFC, Hockey. wrestling, Walking yeah. Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, Star Wars, entertainment properties, and then Panini with you know, their two exclusive licenses and trading cards. They rolled out Gridiron and uh, Slam Dunk. Now, while we've seen s- short iterations of this, in, in the past with some of these manufacturers, the full court press is clearly on for digital and that doesn't appear to be slowing down anytime soon. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, Rob. I meet people all the time that are no longer card collectors. They're adults, people my age that have jobs and aren't diehard hobbyists. And the amount of times in just the past year that those same people that before would say, Oh, I used to collect cards with a kid have pulled out their phone and shown me their tops bunt or their tops kick. Uh, it, it's staggering. Or Star Wars card trader. I know tons of people in uh, Hollywood. They're they don't collect cards. They play Star Wars card trader though, even though it's not a game. Um, and there's actually one other one that you're missing here that I think is interesting that we almost don't talk about it very much, which is uh, Quid. Quid, which has a uh, Star Trek. Uh, I believe Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
uh, a number of different properties and you're allowed to trade between the properties. Essentially, I like they it. license out. Um, they license out, if you own the property, you can license quid and then the, the coins you get, you can apply towards anything and you can cross trade. So even that's uh, growing in the entertainment space. And uh, the one thing I'm still waiting though is Upper Deck to partner with Tim Hortons for an e-omelet. That's what I want to see next. <laughs> there you go. Uh, next up on the list of top headlines from 2016, NFL Ooh. exclusive. Uh, Ooh. Panini uh, grabbed exclusive licenses with both both the NFL and the NFLPA. Um, was quite a coup for them. I mean, Topps has been making football cards for a long time, and at one point, Topps didn't have a license. You got to remember, way back in the 70s when they were the only game in town, mm-hmm. they said, "You know what?" We don't need a license. We're still going to make football cards. We're just not going to show logos. Harder to get away with with competition now. So don't think we're going to see that anytime in the near future out of tops. Uh, But Panini really planted a flag several years ago as far as you could tell that this was their goal, whether it was sponsoring Pop Warner uh, football, whether it was sponsoring Uh, becoming a title sponsor of the Football Hall of Fame or several of the other initiatives that they did uh, Mm -hmm. behind the scenes, so to speak, to kind of let the NFL know that, you know what, we're a partner that you can trust and that we've got, you know, everybody's interest in mind, not that Tops wasn't, but uh, congratulations to Panini for setting a goal and achieving it. Yeah. And, you know, I do think uh, there's, we've even seen, uh, there's some chat in the chat room right now about this and collector's feelings on it. At the same time, I know one of the things we've seen from Panini, as much as I dislike any exclusive license, um, is a staggering effort to reduce not on, non-on-card autos, to make sure that relics match the card, Um they're putting as much as they can into that. And so I respect that. We've definitely seen an improvement over the past two to three years, I'd say. I mean, definitely this year, especially. How many of their products have come out with sell sheets with all on-card autos in the product? Absolutely. So kudos to Panini. Uh, next up on the list, perhaps you know a more recent headline, Transcendent, $27,000. Steals Upper Deck's Thunder from Master... What was that called? That product, Master Collection at ten grand or something like that from Upper mm-hmm. Deck. Uh, that would have been a major headline, but Transcendent eclipsed it. And part of the factor into this product is the VIP experience with the reigning National League and World Series champion, the one, the only Chris Bryant. I love you, Chris. <laughs> the uh, VIP experience includes hotel accommodations, dinner, cocktails, and gifts. And if you follow Tops on Twitter, they actually tweeted out some of the uh, the gifts that they're putting together for the party. So uh, those lucky enough to attend are going to have an absolute great time. I mean, this is as much as a lot of people spend, if not more, on a car. And Mm -hmm. it's not for everyone. It's not supposed to be, and that's okay. Uh, Pushing the envelope can be a good thing. And 
other than uh, a few small instances of some issues with the glue adhesive, uh, the cards were absolutely beautiful. The experience that they packed into this, not only from a breaking and opening experience, but to deliver, you know, an intimate gathering with a guy like Chris Bryant, pretty mm-hmm. darn cool. And it garnered mainstream news attention. I mean, when Yahoo Sports and the Tribune and um, MSNBC are talking about baseball cards uh, in a positive light, it's good for the hobby. So I agree. And the other thing, too, that uh, I feel like is getting overlooked here is the way that so many of the breakers, uh, let's face it, not, everyone says $27,000 a box. I have not seen one personal box opened. Yeah, it's you? Uh, no, I, it, you know, the ones that I have seen, it's been it's been a group break. And so uh, even some of the base cards in those products have, I mean, come close to getting your money back from the break. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, very well thought out uh, design mm-hmm. product, and on the secondary market side, creative marketing by the breakers to make it accessible to all. So yeah, good well, stuff. Well, not only that, but the the thing I wanted to give them kudos for is most of the breaks I saw, they would random off each of the cards. They would only have enough spots for the cards, so the yeah invitation would be random to everyone. So even if you got a really crappy card, you still had a chance of the invitation. Yep. And I think that that's really cool. Um, that essentially you had uh, a chance at a good card and a chance at the invitation in, in so many of the breaks. So I think that that's cool. I don't know that, I mean, does tops, do you think that they sit down and tell the breakers, Hey, here's a good format for this. Or is it just sort of a group consciousness that I, decides that? I, personally, I think it was probably just a group consciousness, you know, well, I thought it was very cool. So I could be wrong, but that's my guess. There you go. So um, <laughs> next up, as far as big stories, uh, which we're going to roll into uh, and expand on a little bit, vintage cardboard absolutely soaring through the roof. We touched on it a couple times. We talked about you know uh, people treating it like you know art and other high-end collectibles and saw several cards set new price records, the Honus Wagner, uh, Mantle, James Brown, Kareem, uh, not Kareem, excuse me, Lou Alcindor. Um, And another great story because uh, to some degree, I I agree with the sentiment, um, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. And while that was... um, the the excuse for a lot of the alleged cover up regarding uh, the Gretzky Honus Wagner card being trimmed, you know, and people burying their head in the sand to to the truth, it was because, you know, when a when a card like that gets that kind of attention, it's good for everyone. Well, there was, mm-hmm. and that certainly played out with record setting prices for another Honus Wagner card this year. So. Uh, we'll talk more about this topic in just a minute. And last but not least, as far as as far as big stories in 2016, uh, whether you are a fan or not, uh, you would bite, be naive to think that the Cubs winning the World Series uh, wasn't a benefit and a boom for the hobby. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we we had an entire discussion on this a few weeks ago about how just the attention being brought to that 
impacted what's actually Chris Bryant's fake first autograph. Yes. Year. Yes. That's all because of public perception because people don't know the story behind it because so many amateurs, in a sense, amateur hobbyists, enthusiasts, are coming into the hobby to try and get a little piece of history and return to that. So, well, you've seen that play out actually in the aftermarket uh, prices. And you've d- you did a great service actually by helping educate people about that with the article that uh, you wrote um, the week that the World Series started. Uh, it's actually the most viewed post on GoGTS.net for 2016. So congratulations, oh, hey. Ivan. Hey, let's tweet that out again so everybody can go read. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, so let us know in the chat room what maybe you think some of the other uh, big headline-grabbing stories of 2016 and the hobby were. Uh, these were at the top of my list and just kind of wanted to, to go over them with you. However, uh, as I mentioned, we we're going to expand upon what I I think is one of the, the absolute biggest stories, and that is uh, some of the record-setting prices for vintage cardboard this year. Uh, and when I talk about record setting, wait till you see some of these numbers. So PSA DNA mm-hmm. ran a, uh, a post earlier, uh, just a couple weeks ago, actually. And according to... Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Um, Seven of the 23 sports collectible categories cataloged by PSA DNA broke records in the 2016 calendar year. Seven. Seven of the 23. So just under, what, 33%. Well, that's math. Yeah, that's tough. It seems like a lot, though. Seven records set this year is a lot. All in one year. So first up on the list... Uh, one, number one, multi-signed card. A 1934 exhibits four-on-one card signed by Ruth, Garrick, Dickey, and Gomez sold for $72,000 this year at Robert Edwards Auctions. Number two. Well, wait, don't go so fast. Look at that card. Yeah, it's, I didn't even see that. We didn't get to talk about that so, card at all on the show. Quad-signed card. Was that like very early in the year? I, it actually flew under the radar for me. I found out about it when we saw the entire... Uh, the PSA record setting, right? Yeah. Did you change the fonts on my presentation, Joe? Oh. <laughs> no, I, I, did I didn't change them. I did nothing. I know nothing. Don't fight in front of the kids. Yeah. Don't fight in front of the kids. That's really, we- that's really weird. You and I must have different versions of PowerPoint. We'll have to go over that offline. Because that's not the font I used, but whatever. Um, all right. In other news, we had another record set in 2016, and this is one I've actually told a lot of people about when they say, but are sports cards still relevant? Well, how about a we 2003 saw... Ultimate Collection Ultimate Logos LeBron James 101 and a PSA Mint 9? <laughs> Six figures at $312,000 at Golden not Auctions only... this year. Not only six figures, three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's more a lot than more. a quarter of a million dollars for a modern era card, nineteen eighty to the present. Yeah, um, we've actually got uh, um, in reply to the last one. Since we're running just a little bit behind on the chat lag, uh, Jeffrey Gwynn pointed out that seventy-two K for that last card seems light, and I would agree with that. 
though you know me i'm never the expert to trust and yeah so modern modern cards setting records this year as well yep uh back to vintage and a little bit more closer to our era and in football how about this the number one post-war football card 1958 tops jim brown PSA mint nine three hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars. That's astronomical. Now, Rob, let me point out something else that's even more astronomical, though. Two of these seven records were set with cards from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That Think is even that. more astronomical. <laughs> I think that the the fix is in on these, just because Cleveland's so desperate that they're they're holding on to whatever shreds of victory they have. They're sh- so. they're shill bidding on this stuff. As yeah. like a collective community. <laughs> exactly. That's, this next card. Anyway, we, that's a pretty amazing, though. It's a beautiful card, too. PSA 9. Yep. And this next card was actually the topic of a uh, a very special Rob's rant earlier in the year. Ooh. Rob's rant that I can stand behind. Number one hockey card. The number one hockey card. 1979 OPG Wayne Gretzky. PSA Gem Mint 10. $465,000 again at Golden Auctions. Golden Auctions, what a great year they had. Nearly half a million dollars. Man, people go crazy for the great one. This is nuts. It's absolutely nuts, especially when you consider the thing that you ranted about and that uh, I'm going to touch on briefly, that we actually had to get an official statement from PSA in regards to this card because many collectors (laughs) looked at it and said, that's not a Jim Mint 10. You can see that the centering is off. There, uh, and um, You can see it was cut with a butter wear. knife. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and their response was that, uh, and this is the first time I've heard this, and it caused some debate, that uh, on, a, on a scale within that product, it's a Jim Mint 10. Because compared to other cards in the product, it's less damaged than other cards are. I think that that's a joke. But that's somebody a, totally disagreed and paid $465,000 for it. Exactly. Exactly. So so that was another record-setting collectible in 2016. Yeah, but that's not all. We talked about this next card, Honus Wagner. This is a... Uh, a No, excuse me. Before we get to Honus, <laughs> three left. Lou Alcinder, oh, yeah. a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar rookie card in a gem mint 10. One of the tall boys. Uh, Mm -hmm. The number one basketball card did exceed half a million dollars, closing at Heritage Auctions, which also had a good year this year, for $501,900. That's absolutely absurd. Only because uh, the card itself is absurd. That has to be... I'm, I'm really curious where it came from. Do you think that that was pack-pulled from a 1969 pack that had been unopened? How else do you keep a card like that in that condition when there weren't there, holders at that time? Exactly. That there was no penny sleeves to fit that thing unless you put two of them, one on each end. And No, I, I bet you it did come from a pack. In fact, that's your homework for next week. You got to go back to the auction catalog where that was sold, and I'm sure that description of where it originated from will be in there. But uh, interesting. Uh, well, speaking of interesting, Rob, coming up next is the big one of the year, if I'm not mistaken. 
absolutely insane number one baseball card well regarded and known around the world as the number one baseball card proved its metal once again PSA extra mint five Honus Wagner T206 from 1909 to 11 went for 3.1 million dollars in golden auctions auction this year Yep, and sweet capital back too. I was wondering. I was. I was curious. I was like, oh, it doesn't have the description. I see it there on the PSA though. It was one of the sweet capital backs. Yep, and you're a total nerd. It was miscut too, so that's what the MC designation is next to that EX five. It didn't stop someone from paying three million dollars, which eclipses the previous like two point three spent on the. Uh, Gretzky Wagner now in the possession of, I believe, Mr. Kendrick, owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Absolutely beautiful. So that's the record-setting year in collectibles. Four cards. One last bit. And this isn't a card. Look at that. Even more records. The number one baseball document. The Laws of Baseball, the original rules of baseball, sold at auction through SCP this year, dating back to 1856 for even more than what that Wagner went for. $3,263,000. So, Absolutely spectacular. And that's actually a perfect poll question. We should throw that up on Twitter. Such a close margin between that T206 and this baseball document the laws of baseball that was about 50 years 52 years possibly older than that card which one would you rather have out of those two? Oh, for me so that's right easy around the same value though i'd take the which wagner you, you'd take the wagner I'd huh take the wagner i don't know i'd like to read that document at least at the least and if you want to learn more about other you know the most paid for other sports memorabilia and other cards that didn't necessarily set records this year, but what they are. Uh, you can go to that URL, psacard.com slash resources slash guides slash record breakers to learn more. From all of us here at GoGTS Live and GTS Distribution, we really do wish you, your family and loved ones, a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays. Uh, thank you for watching. Uh, it's been a tremendous opportunity to join you guys every Thursday, and we'll be back here with a brand new episode of GoGTS Live January 5th. Merry Christmas, everyone.